Introducing Spectacle, the ultimate eyewear experience. We offer a carefully curated collection of logo-free frames, so the focus is on you. We're located at 505 Tremont Street in Boston's historic South End neighborhood. Keep in mind that we only look expensive. Hope to see you soon, and enjoy the day. Baby Loves Tacos proudly supports the Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico podcast. Since 2016, we've been serving soulful whole Mexican style food out of a tiny storefront, 4508 Liberty Avenue in the Bloomfield section of Pittsburgh. Um, we believe in supporting the arts, community-based initiatives, and podcasts like Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico because uh, they add a richness and vibrancy to our lives, uh, help to connect people, build community, and uh, demonstrate that following your, your dreams and your passions and holding on to relationships and spreading the love and support that we hear so much about on the podcast uh, is, is really the only way to combat um, ever-changing world where big businesses and corporations are uh, squeezing out the small guy. So if you haven't already subscribed, if you don't support via Patreon um, or any of the other platforms, I would strongly encourage you to do so. It's a real privilege to listen to Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico, and it's a privilege to, to hear the stories about um, you know, Steve's experiences with many bands, uh, promoting, managing, and the really awesome stories from his guests. Something I look forward to every week, sometimes twice a week. And, um, you know, my life would be very different if I didn't have Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico to look forward to. All right, take care. I want to tell you about Joe's albums in their two locations. The original shop at 317 Main Street in downtown Worcester, Massachusetts, and their second location at 5 Market Street in the college hipster town of Northampton on Western Massachusetts. These are two amazing stores to go buy vinyl, both new and used, and a lot of other cool stuff too. It's hard to walk in either locale without walking out empty-handed due to their amazing collection of records and other cool goodies like t-shirts, mugs, posters, etc. And if you can't find what you're looking for in the retail shops, check out joesalbums.com. They got everything there, man. Everything. Well, maybe not everything, but almost everything. Joe's albums. We love them, and you will too. Check out Joe's stores and tell them Twisted Rico sent you.
Welcome to Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico. I'm your host, Steve Ricardo. Today, we'll be talking to singer-guitarist Annie Kuchenmeister, 22 years old, from the band Loki's Folly. Great new young band, one of the younger bands we've had on the show. Uh, the band also consists of her siblings, Nissa, who's 17 years old, on drums, and Oscar, the 12-year-old bass player. And you know what? This band has caught the eye and ear of several people in the music world, including members of Minneapolis, their hometown uh, heroes, Soul Asylum, and LA's Kitten Robot Records. So uh, there's a good buzz on this band. I'm happy we got them on the show. So I can't wait to hear it play that for you. Uh, Annie's really astute musically, and she was very much in tune to what's going on these days in music and the history of Minneapolis. She credits some of that to her mother. So stay tuned for that. We'll check that out in a couple of minutes. Um, this past weekend, I met up with my very good friend, Alvin Long who started New Alliance Studios and also is a, one of the best artists in Boston and just a great guy and a great friend. Um, and we went to a house, a house art show together, which I'm going to tell you about in a minute. But before that, I want to tell you, we visited this record store that Alvin took me to called Deep Thoughts. Really cool record store in Jamaica Plain section of Boston. The more I go to that neighborhood, the more I like it. There's a lot of cool shops and restaurants. The whole vibe of the neighborhood is really awesome. I always get lost driving around there because, I don't know, one-way streets, bad GPS, something. <laughs> but I always manage to find what I'm looking for. And um, once I got there and I met up with Alvin, we walked over to Deep Thoughts. And what a cool record store. The people running the place were awesome. And I love the whole vibe. We must have went through every bin in the whole store. I ended up buying a Psychedelic Furs album that I didn't have. The Fairport Chronicles by Fairport Convention, which is a double album of all their early stuff. Really good. It came out on AM Records, where I used to work. I don't know. I never got a copy while I was there, but I never did. And I found a sealed copy of the government issue self-title album, which we call GI5, which really got me excited because I used to have that on vinyl, but I don't know what happened to it. It disappeared. Like many of my other records have disappeared. I have a lot of records though. <laughs> so they might be somewhere. I don't know. Maybe they're in a storage space somewhere. I don't know. But uh, that one I, I haven't seen in a while. So I bought it and... Um, I'm glad I did. I listened to the other two records yesterday, and I'll probably listen to that one today because I love to like sit around, smoke a little weed, maybe do a little painting, throw some records on, some real good anti-anxiety medicine right there. Vinyl, baby. Vinyl sounds so beautiful. So the house party in Roxbury that we went to, it was called Weaponized Geminized. That was the theme. I didn't ask with that one i don't know if they were all gemini's or not i wish they would ask because i'm a gemini but what a trip it was uh we went there because our good friend dorchester's own herb marsiglio has some of his art on display you might have heard that name before herb has engineered many of these podcasts that i've worked on he's a good friend good guy so we went there to support him. The place was wild, man. It was a triple-decker house and it had like so much going on in it. It was incredible. There were mostly like college-age kids and millennials there. Uh, a heavy queer vibe, which is totally cool. 
and the the rooms were like in, insane. There was a music room. There was art on every floor. It was a tr like I said, a big triple decker house. There was a tattoo room, <laughs> and there was a room with people's vendors selling stuff in it. Okay, queer was there. Hannah Norris clothing. I met one of the artists called Madeline Desnoyer. She was really cool, and of course, Herb had his stuff up on the wall and. I loved it. We didn't stay for the music, but we were there for about an hour and a half, ran into a few other people we knew. But I have to give props to Slyla, S-L-Y-L-A, who put the whole thing together. We spoke for a few minutes. She's really, really cool. And it was a fantastic event. I really enjoyed being there. And I would go to another one of her shows. I should say, excuse me, let me correct it. I would, I would go to another of they or them shows in a minute because it was just really cool i enjoyed it roxbury to me is it wasn't what i expected i haven't been i'd only been there a few times and i didn't expect what i found there it seems like a lot of mass art kids live there now a lot of college kids the neighborhood was wild and i dug it and i had a good time and thank you herb for inviting us and thank you alvin for coming with me and helping me find the place because I never would have found that I would have been driving in circles. He gave me a really good tour. Of course, I got lost when I left there. When I dropped Alvin off, I ended up in Alston. Now, if you know Boston at all, you don't go to JP and head back to Worcester and go through Alston to get there. I totally got screwed up with my where I was going. And, you know, I lived in Somerville for nine years, but, you know, I never had a car, you know, when I lived in Boston, I just took the train everywhere. You know, who the hell needs a car if you lived there, you know, now driving around there, I can't stand it. I can't stand driving anywhere, as a matter of fact. All right. I've been rambling on for a while here. Let's listen to this interview that we did with Annie from Loki's Folly, most definitely one of the coolest young bands happening in America right now. So here it is. Check it out. Welcome to the Blowing Smoke with Twister Rico podcast. We got Annie from Loki's Folly. Hello. How are you? Doing good. How are you doing? Do you, do you normally do interviews? I think it's only like seven in the morning right now in Minneapolis. Not usually. No, I did have to turn off my uh, alarm that wakes me up in the morning, you know, so it wouldn't interrupt us here. <laughs> yeah, I don't really even do. I, I interview a lot of older rock stars, too. And, I, you know, nine or 10, but 8 a.m. East Coast time. I'm like, OK, I can do this. I get up early anyways. Doesn't matter. Um, Before we talk about Sisu, did I say that right? Sisu? Sisu, yeah. Your debut album on Kitten Robart um, Records, I was hoping to get a little history on the band. Do you remember when you first started listening to music? And I guess, you know, you were probably first ahead of your siblings on this. And when you started to think about maybe this is something I might want to do. Yeah, um, I do remember being, you know, a teenager or so and getting really into bands like My Chemical Romance and Green Day and just being like obsessed with them. And then I was like showing them to my mom and I'm like, listen to how awesome this is. This is so cool. And she's like, that is really cool. You should try some other bands that I think you would like because of that. She, she recommended like The Replacements and like all these like local bands that like really got me into even more like local and alternative like punk and indie rock and stuff. Um and it was seeing all these bands, especially ones from here, that just made it seem like so accessible and so like, uh, like something 
that I could do and would want to do. I was just like, wow. You have a I cool have mom. A you have a <laughs> yeah. cool mom. Did she turn you on to like Chris Gadu and Babes in Toyland and bands like that too? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Lori Barbero was on the show uh, not too long ago. I love her, the drummer from Babes. Yeah, she is amazing. I imagine you're a little influenced by them because you guys are a little noisy at times. So, yeah. For sure influenced by them. <laughs> so your mom started playing the replacements for you. That is, that's really cool. Um, yeah. So did you like this music that you heard right away? Or you um, were more into, like you said, Green Day and bands like that? Um, I was into those bands. I remember she had recommended replacements. I put let it be downloaded it to my phone put my headphones on listened it through and I was just like this is cool <laughs> music I think this is what I want to yeah that's their best through. one I think you know they got yeah. a lot of good ones but that one I really love um when did you realize that it was going to be more than just like I like this kind of music I think I might want to start playing um I think it just started to get kind of obsessive. And I think that I kind of roped Nissa into by, um, you know, having her hang out with me and listen to music. And then we were both getting really obsessed with this stuff. And it was like, almost felt hard not to want to do that, <laughs> too. You're only 22 now. Nissa's 17. Oscar's 12. But you yeah. guys, that those are the correct ages now. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys started like in 2018, I think, or something. So you were a lot younger then. Yeah. Yeah. Our first, our very first show, I was, it was my 16th birthday. So. <laughs> wow. So how did you, and at first it was just you and Nissa, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you rope her into this thing? <laughs> did you like, I actually, I heard you guys went and took guitar lessons together. Yeah. Yeah. So we both wanted to learn an instrument, both kind of had the intention of, uh, being in a band and starting a band um, and she wanted to learn drums I wanted to learn guitar and we were both taking lessons from the same teacher um, Ryan Smith who then like after a while it was like well why don't we just combine our two lessons have one big lesson and make the lesson being how to be a band <laughs> yeah Ryan Ryan's played a pretty big role in this so we're going to talk about him yeah. so Nissa wanted to be a drummer from the beginning oh. yeah and she's kind of had a rhythm passion for her. I mean she's always been like playing rhythms on things banging things um enough so that like on long car rides we had gotten her a pair of drumsticks to hit actually just in the car just because she would hit things so often it was like well it might as well be something functional. So, so when you went to Ryan did he like I, I imagine did you know anything at all about what you were doing or were you like coming from and and so he so I imagine that once he started teaching you the basics, he probably showed you cover songs and things like that. Yeah. Yep. Did yep. you like I took guitar lessons when I was 13, too. So I remember what that was like. And I went in there with a list of songs. Is that what you did? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what was on that list? <laughs> um, That first one was a lot of Green Day. <laughs> Green Day. <laughs> and I think some of the early ones we learned like. The two of us then we learned like Tegan and Sarah and um David Bowie and the White Stripes, which I think we kind of latched on to being guitar and drums and kind of just being like, wow, that's a successful band that does that. Did you grow up right in the city of Minneapolis? Yeah, yeah, right in South Minneapolis. 
So are a lot of kids your age, like really into like, you know, like indie and alternative and punk stuff? Uh, it, I guess it kind of depends. I think uh, especially with our generation of kids, it seems like it's a really like open basket of just kind of everyone listens to a lot of whatever they want to listen to, which is we're, cool. ta- we're talking Gen Z, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I had another band on from uh, Minneapolis uh, not too long ago, the Scrunchies. They're really oh, good. Yeah. yeah. They're a little older than you guys, but they kind of play a similar style and noisy punk yeah. rock. Um, so there were no other projects or anything that you were involved in because you seem pretty advanced. You just nope, did- this is both of our first project. Um, and even like some of the songs on the album, like I think Castle on the Moon was the first song either of us had ever, ever written um, that we kind of worked together on to formulate ourselves. <laughs> and when you started recording, it was just you and Nisser and Oscar still wasn't part of the equation? Nope. He was still, because I think we were, I was probably 17, 18, so he was probably seven or eight when we were first starting the recording. Well, he's the bass player now, and that's not an easy instrument to pick up. So how did you guys rope him into the whole thing? <laughs> um, I think especially seeing us playing from like, I mean, our first show being six, he would have been like six when we first started playing. I think kind of seeing that his more or less his whole life and kind of um, uh, growing up with us, you know, I mean, he'd come to shows with us, obviously, because what else is he <laughs> gonna do um and uh I think that really inspired him to want to do it with us because we kind of we're kind of siblings that like to do kind of everything together um whether it be you know music or playing video games or <laughs> you know so you're, you're a pretty close family yeah yeah because do you guys like fight with each other and stuff because you know I mean I used to fight with my brother and sister yeah, not a whole ton. No, I mean, it, I think when we do all living together really helps. We're like, you know, you can't be fighting for long because, you know. And they're other. still in school. Yes, both are of you, them are. Still. Did you go to college? Uh, I went back to college. So I'm in college now. Where are you going to, where are you going to school? Um, Normandale uh, Community College. It's a little ways away, but it's very But your, your intention is mostly to become a rock star, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're yeah, already you're already it. you're already pretty far along the way. The way. <laughs> um the first studio experience, and if I'm wrong about the, any of this, correct me, I believe was the love song, which you did in June 2019, which seems like an eternity now when you consider the, the pandemic and everything. And you actually recorded that with a guy named Ed Ackerson, and Ryan actually mastered it, Ryan Smith. So yeah. he kind of was like, was he guiding you towards yeah. what to do? Yeah, for sure. And I, he's been a really great mentor for all of us. I mean, in personal lives and in music lives. And it's just very special, I think, for all of us to get to have that connection. No, uh, he plays He plays in Soul Asylum. Was, was that one of the bands that your mom turned you on to, since they're yeah. also a Minneapolis band? Yeah. <laughs> Did you like them when you heard them? Because they're not like Slater, Kinney, and other bands that you guys sound like. Yeah, I I, I like them a fair amount. I think it, uh, even though it's different, I think a lot of their like roots and inspirations are the same. And when you look back on like their first albums or any of their like time is like loud, fast rules, you can see the like similar 
world they came from. <laughs> they have a lot of records out. It took them yeah. a while to get their big hit songs, you know, but yeah. once they did, they blew up. Yeah. Um, so when, what, what was it like when you first went into the recording studio? Was that difficult for you guys at first? Yeah, I think it was very scary for the both of us. And um, I think it was lucky we had like Ryan to kind of talk us. I mean, he was like, we're going to go in. We're going to make sure we're extremely prepared. Everything's going to be ready and nothing's going to go wrong. And we're not going to have any <laughs> anything weird happen. And so we went in like extremely prepared and had our songs like ready to go. And we knew exactly what we wanted to record for them. So then we ended up doing, I think it was three songs in a half day. Um, oh, you did two other songs the time the, at the first session. What were the other two yeah. songs? They were Truth or Dare and I believe No Right. Did they both make it on the record as well? Yeah. Wow. Okay, because I thought that you didn't go back. I thought I'm looking at my times uh, here, and it looked like Little Mer the Little Mermaid was recorded in December. So the first time you did three songs, and then you went back in December and did more, basically, right? Yeah, well, December, I think we did at our in our basement. <laughs> oh, you recorded that one at home. Yeah. Um. So Oscar still wasn't part of the of the equation at this point. Nope, not quite yet. <laughs> he had okay. he had his vision. He said he had wanted to start <clears throat> being in the band when he was like six or seven. So we we're like, okay, let's start teaching you bass. And he was like. Mm, this is kind of too much. It's a lot to learn. I don't know about this. I think I'll be ready when I'm nine. And we we're like, okay. <laughs> so then on his ninth birthday, picked it back up, went had back you, to learning. Had you played any gigs at this point yet? Yeah, yeah. We played, we actually played our first tour, just me and Nissa too. Um, our tour with Shellac, which was in 2019. What? I mean, I knew you went on the road with Shellac, but I didn't realize. So you went out just the two of you? Yeah. Wow. And was that a long tour? Uh, it was a week long tour, so not too bad, but exciting. <laughs> did you go to Chicago? We did go to Chicago. We had two nights in Chicago. Well, yeah, because that's, you know, Shellac's uh, Albini, Steve Albini. You know, who, did you yeah. know who Steve Albini was? Oh, yeah. I had kind of, you know maybe idolized him just a tiny bit. So getting that email was like, what? <laughs> Shellac. <laughs> so they emailed you guys to come and open some shows for them. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. How do yeah. you think you got on their radar? Um. Well, when we first got the like emails and we're getting the information, we're like, how did we get this? <laughs> and then um, while we were on tour with them, we got to meet... Um, all of them, but Todd Trainer, their drummer, who's actually from Minneapolis and has a long um, Minneapolis connection here. And he had seen us playing around town, opening for some cool shows. And he was like, we should check these guys out. And he sent the music over to the rest of the band. They're like, yeah, let's bring them, bring them with. It's incredible. Uh, what were some of these, who were some of these cool bands around Minneapolis that you were playing with? Um, we had opened for Soul Asylum at that point. Wow. And then <laughs> So Ryan hooked you up with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he passed us along to uh Dave and then Dave came to a show and that was mind blowing in and of itself to see him in the crowd and then talk to him afterwards and he asked Dave us. Turner. To yeah. <laughs> wow. So this all happened around two twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. <clears throat> um 
So um, I have to ask you this because you seem to have built up this momentum and you did some recording and I'm sure you weren't on Kitten Robart's radar yet. How, what did you do when the pandemic hit? I mean, did you feel like, oh my God, what's going to happen to us now? Yeah. Um, well, we were, our tour actually led up like right to the beginning of the pandemic where like each day things, more things were closing until like our very last date was the only thing that got um, canceled completely. So I think it was kind of more just like this whirlwind of like, wow, we're on tour. Wow, things are happening. Wow, I think there's something else happening in the world until it kind of became this thing where it's like, oh, we're driving home and we're going to have to be completely isolated now. <laughs> um, being younger... Be, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but being okay. younger at that time and you heard about the pandemic, how was you, what was your reaction to it? Um, I think at first it seemed kind of unreal, especially being on the road since it was kind of more of a like afterthought of occasionally seeing things on, you know, my phone and then be like, okay, well now we're going to go play the show, come back and then be like, okay, next show someone's like, okay, we sanitized everything. And it's like, Oh, that must be something to do with that thing I heard about a little bit. Wow. And it was just kind of a big jump back. Did someone else go with you and Nissa? Yeah, both of our parents went with us. So. That's cool. That so great. they're really supportive of your career. Yeah, yeah, which is so nice to have. Did they play at all? They did not. My mom was in musical theater when she was younger. So she has, you know, some stage experience, which you know, she can coach us on and help us with. <laughs> you you mentioned earlier, your mom gave you, turned you on to the replacements. Was your dad into those early Minneapolis bands as well? Um, Some of the Minneapolis ones. He was also into some of the other like 90s alternative, more in the, you know, uh, folkier realm, but good stuff. Folkier realm. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> um. In January 22, uh, you recorded No Right, which I thought when I when I went through all the songs and I, the progression, I thought that was a real step up. Not that the earlier tunes uh, weren't great, but this one really jumped out of the speakers at me. Do you attribute that to the time that you had to develop during the pandemic, develop your sound and everything? Do you think that's why you made this big leap? Um, well, actually, all the songs um, on the album we had written pre-pandemic um, and were like our set, like on tour and things like that. Um, so I guess songwriting wise, they were mostly thought out beforehand. Um, I think maybe during the pandemic, we got time to do more like a bit more overdubbing, not a practicing, ton. Practicing, you, know. you practiced more probably, right? Yeah. And then Oscar was part of the plan by then. Yeah. Um, so was it around this time that Kit and Robot came along and said we were interested in you guys? And how did that all happen? Yeah, so it was during the pandemic. I think it was, was it this time last year that we got contacted by them? Well, and that came about because we had done a podcast, um, performance anxiety podcast and he had been like super into the band he was like i'm gonna keep your information and you know share it whenever i can we we're like cool thank you that's awesome um and then a little while later he was like oh so i gave your information to this um 
this label guy from this cool label kit and robot records and he seemed to be really into you guys so maybe you should expect an email from was it him paul, was it paul rossler it was bruce duff actually oh bruce wow yeah. Yeah. yeah, those guys have been playing in bands and around for a long time. Kira yeah. Rossler was on my show not too oh, long ago wow. from Black Flag, and she's Paul's uh, sister, and they yeah. played together. So were you familiar at all with Kitten Robot at that time? Um, I was not familiar with the label itself, but I am I was familiar with, like, Josie Cotton. And, oh, Josie. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that must have been pretty exciting. All of a sudden, an L.A. label is talking to you. Yeah, it was so exciting i mean we were all very very excited about it did you do you have a manager or did you have a manager at that time nope it's just us um i mean ryan obviously helps us a lot with things but um all self-managed <laughs> uh did you you had to sign a contract i assume right yeah yeah so what, what what did your parents think about this whole thing? Were they like, wow, you're signing a record contract? And I mean, you're 22, but yeah. your siblings aren't even 18 yet. Yeah, yeah. We did have my mom, you know, sign for them too, just to have full, full uh, support and uh, I think legal obligation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you haven't. Were, yeah. Very supportive. Yeah. So um, I'll get to, I was going to ask you about touring more, but let's talk about Sisu. It's a really interesting name. I had to look it up and um, this is what it said. It said Sisu is a unique Finnish concept. It is a Finnish term that can be roughly translated into English as a strength of will, determination, perseverance, acting rationally in the face of adversity. Did you come up with this title? Yeah, so we're uh all finished by heritage so oh. um so this is kind of just a word we've heard you know sort of our whole lives um as a concept and then uh after going like through so many phases with the album and having it you know survive through a pandemic and you know a label coming on and all these different things and just like really going through a lot but still making it through we thought perfect <laughs> this matches it perfectly <laughs> that is really cool wow yeah. um now were all the songs already recorded like one time or did you re-record -re any songs um i think we we went in with the intention of kind of just going through and then going back if we needed to change anything but most things are fairly first or second um time through and then i think a few songs during the pandemic we decided to re-record the vocals just because our voices had changed <laughs> well okay yeah that makes sense yeah oh, that's incredible um i know that you've probably and first of all i wanted to mention that's cool that a label found you through a podcast that makes me smile yeah, yeah. i i <laughs> If you weren't signed, I wish they would have found you through my podcast, but you know, maybe the next band that'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like it's really hard not to notice the similarities and I'm not saying that you sound just like them or you you're even copying them or whatever. But I, when I listen to you guys, it, I love Slater Kinney. I've been following their whole career and more earlier stuff. I think you guys remind me are they a band that influenced you a lot when you were starting to to write? Yeah. 
Um, they did, ha- they had influenced us a lot. It was kind of interesting because I think we kind of started writing before we had started listening to them. And then we started listening to them. It's like, wow, this sounds like the exact sound we're kind of going for. Um, and I, I mean, I just admire them so much. So I think it's a, a you know, honorable comparison to have. <laughs> yeah, and also babes too, you know, cause yeah. they're very noisy. You know, have you ever met Lori Barbera? Cause she's like one of the coolest people. I have met her in passing, but never officially met her. But I see her all the time. <laughs> oh, I imagine she loves you guys. I can see her listening to you guys and going, wow, this band's great. You know, I mean, I'm really, it's too bad Babes doesn't exist anymore because I, I love to see you guys play with them. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you about Beaches and Peaches. <laughs> the yeah. video just absolutely cracked me up. Um, <laughs> uh, Ryan recorded that one. And uh, is he the one that got Dave to come down and play some guitar on that? On uh, yeah. Oh, actually, that was Appease the Girl. Excuse me. Hold no. off on that. That was a different track. Um, but let me talk about Beaches and Peaches for a minute. Sorry. So the video for that song really grabbed me. And I yeah. was like, okay, this is some really twisted stuff. I can say shit. You're over 21. This is some pretty twisted stuff going on here. Who who in the world came? If you're listening out there, people, or watching on YouTube, you got to check out this video, Beaches and Peaches. It's my it's a mind blowing video. Please tell us the whole idea about that video. Yeah. So um, that one we shot with our cousins who live in LA, and then we're um in town um. And uh, we decided, like, well, they're in town. My one cousin shoots videos and does, like, photography for um, part of her living. So we were like, let's shoot a video. And she's like, yeah, let's shoot a video. Um, So we decided that one because it's kind of a fun song. And then it's got kind of immediate visuals that go with it, with, you know, the title. (laughs) Um, So we picked a beach um, around here to go shoot at and we kind of just assembled props. We had like some, you know, storyboarded ideas of like, we should be eating peaches, we should be on the beach. (laughs) Um, And then a lot of it was kind of just goofing around and pulling ideas from everybody on like different shots and things to do. I know Minnesota is often referred to as the land of lakes, but I you don't think about beaches when you think of Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think it happened to be an overcast day, which we were like, you know what? That's perfect. That's the, the Minnesota beach experience. I got to say, my favorite part of the video was watching Oscar try and eat his peaches. You know, he's having a lot of problems eating those peaches. <laughs> for sure. And if I that think... alone doesn't make people want to watch the video, I don't know what will. Yeah. I think he also decided to do that partially because he just got hungry while we were out. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> wow. And then I jumped the gun a little bit and I, I, I started talking about Dave. He was on the song Appease the Girl. So yeah. did did you know that he was going to play on the track or did Ryan say, hey, I think I can get Dave to play on this track? Um, Kind of that. And partially he kind of wanted to be involved on the album a little bit. Um. So we had like left that space open as a solo space um, for him. And then he recorded it uh, during the pandemic. Um, And yeah, it was a very special experience and, you know, very honored to get to (laughs) have him on there. Yeah, you really have the Soul Asylum guys like uh, very involved in your project, which is fantastic. Yeah, I I read a... 
I read a review uh, in Under the Radar about the song Trickster. And they said it's a tight, nervy, and punky effort soaked in distorted guitars and pounding piano. The band sounds joyous and rushes together with Annie and Nissa bringing out both howling rapid fire deliveries and sharp pop harmonies. And it goes on and on to talk about Riot Girl and Slater Kinney and all that. That's a pretty cool review from a pretty cool magazine. Yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> Very exciting to have that. I mean, I, if you found that press, the press has been reacting the same way. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of fairly positive stuff, which is really, I don't, I, I it makes me happy. I mean, uh, you know, you can say as much that you get, it doesn't matter, but it's it, it is nice to get compliments, obviously. <laughs> and Teen Vogue. Yeah. Mm, what did they that say was... about you? <laughs> <laughs> that was. So exciting. <laughs> I think they said you guys were the, the band of Gen Z or something like that. It was a really incredible quote. I saw that in one of the press releases. Yeah. So uh, you've already accomplished quite a bit here. Um, is there a real tour in the works? Was that going to be really difficult? I mean, school's almost out. <laughs> so your yeah. siblings will be out of school. Do you guys have a summer tour planned? Um, We've got some shows booked for the summer and then kind of, you know, generic you know that would be cool if we can get it planned type of plans <laughs> so what are you going to do just pretty much stick close to the minneapolis area for a while until a real tour comes along yeah i think that's the plan for now that's a good plan um so you feel really good about the record and how it came out and the response you're getting yeah yeah it's been really great um especially because we put you know kind of our heart and souls into it you know of you know, our entire growing up period of time. <laughs> I'm curious what you're listening to now, because you've told me about a lot of stuff you did listen to. Is there new bands that you're hearing now that you're digging and you want to talk about? I mean, who are some of the newer bands you're hearing? Um, I think we've all kind of gotten into Linda Linda's just because they're great and they're also young and it's exciting to see them. Um, I really like Starcrawler. Oh, wow. They're good. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're awesome. I think the visuals just kind of like make my brain so excited. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I know Nisso is very into Florence and the Machine and Florence and the Machine's new album, which I agree is very spectacular. <laughs> so you guys are really on top of what's going on out there. Cause the Linda Linda's, I can see that you guys playing together. That would be perfect. You know, Starcrawler too. You would be great opening for them or playing with them. Who knows? Maybe they'll be opening for you someday, but, <laughs> but um, where are you finding all your music? Um, Usually just through like, if I see something and there's more things recommended, I'll even, you know, YouTube like, recommendations you, sometimes. Like or YouTube or Spotify or. YouTube, Spotify, um, we all do a lot of record shopping, but uh, obviously that often gets into older bands. Um, uh, so you have a record player? Yep, right over there. <laughs> I see, like vinyl. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love vinyl. I love yeah. vinyl. Is uh, are they going to put you? Is is Kit and Robot going to put your record out on vinyl? Yep, it is out on vinyl. It is. Yep, Ooh. a nice bright yellow vinyl, which is. Mm, very I got to get one of those. Definitely. So what's 
I mean, you're going to do some shows around town. Are you writing more? Yep. We've got a good number of songs ready to go for, you know, the next next batch of songs. What What's the writing process? How does it take place? Um, It kind of, you know, switches depending on how we're feeling and who's writing or if we're writing together or writing separately. Um, Lately, especially during the pandemic, I kind of got into learning some of the um, ways of doing like online recording and demoing since before that we'd done it mainly by like, okay, I play this, you play that, Um, which that's been a helpful tool to learn. So you're you're using like GarageBand or something like that and recording at home? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So what's your like real goal for the future now? I mean, is it hard because you know your niece is, what is she like a senior now? Yep. She's going to be a, going into her senior year. She's got year. another year left. So <laughs> yeah. you still have to wait a couple more years before they're out of school. Yeah. So are you patient enough to wait? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so basically you're going to wait for them. And when they finish school, by then you'll probably have two or three records out and you'll be yeah. able to go on tour. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Wow. Well, thanks a lot for taking the time so early in the morning to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it, Annie. And I, I think you guys are great. I love your band. I love what you're doing. And I wish you nothing but the best. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Good luck. Thank you. I'm cool tune beaches and peaches from the debut album sisu you know with loki's folly and the art show i talked about earlier it seems like the arts are in pretty good hands with the young people gives me a good feeling man gives me a really good feeling because i think art and music and film are really important 
We got to keep it going, man. What's going on in our country right now is this fucked up. That's right. I'll say it. Fucked up. Supreme Court is just trying to change everything and and go back 200 years. And we can't do that. We can't let them do that. We have to let them know what's important. And we have to elect people that know what we think is important. And art and music and film is important. And equal rights is important. And human rights are important. And the environment's important. And animals are important. These are all important things. All right? Thank you, Loki's Folly, for putting all that in my head. Um, I have the same feeling about Loki's Folly, by the way, that I have with the Linda Lindas, man. Cool bands. Indie punk, indie rock, punk rock. I'll combine it and say indie punk is alive and well in America. Thank you, Annie, for coming on the show. And Heather at Raby. I love you people at Raby, by the way. You've been giving us a lot of great people for the podcast, and I appreciate all you're doing. Thank you for setting that interview up with Shana and our booking department. And also Kitten Robot Records for finding great talent, great L.A. label. All right. I'm I'm a little excited right now. Can you tell? A little excited, a little wound up, but, you know, it's time to go, you know. But please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Twisted Rico. Spotify listeners, you can subscribe there as well. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, my email is twistedrico at gmail.com. We're available on all social media platforms. People have been digging the TikTok page lately, especially Joe at Joe's albums. I think he liked the two Joe's albums TikToks that I made. I'll probably be making more. Can't wait to get to Pittsburgh and make a Baby Loves Tacos TikTok video. That's going to happen one of these days. I urge you to check out our YouTube page also where you can watch the Zoom interview that I did with Annie from Loki's Folly. It's really fun. Uh, and thank you, like I mentioned, to Joe's Albums and also Baby Loves Tacos and Spectacle Eyewear for your continued support. And um, Paul at Spectacle, I wear my new glasses all the time. I love them. Thank you. Um, and thank all you folks out there for listening. I really appreciate it. Until the next time we say goodbye, this is Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico. And I'm your host, Steve Ricardo. Keep the rock and roll alive. <laughs>